we are witnessing the mad king in the final days of his reign, willing to scorch the earth of his country and bring down the whole system to undermine our whole democracy, strip it of its legitimacy, and poison the confidence of our people and our institutions and the Constitution for Donald Trump's own petulant, selfish, rabid ends. <laughs> well, you say that like it's a bad thing, Carl Bernstein. Well, Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, and 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Up in Rochester, New York and w- on WRFZ, down in New Orleans in- on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe for you, so you can listen every day on the internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today with 58 days now until Inauguration Day. Uh, But who's counting? 43 days until Election Day in Georgia. Yes, another one in the two U.S. Senate runoffs to determine control of the U.S. Senate for at least the next two years. There are 21 days, count them, until the Electoral College casts its votes to finalize election 2020. And most importantly, for, for the moment in any, in any event, 14 days, just two weeks, which will seem like forever, but 14 days until the statutory federal safe harbor deadline for resolving any election disputes for the Electoral College. That must be done by December 8th. Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, well, it has been quite a weekend on several fronts, but mostly in regard, of course, to the president of the United States, ham-fisted yet still quite dangerous because, you know, he is still the president of the United States after all. His attempt to steal the presidential election from Joe Biden, who, at least by all currently available evidence at this time, has been decisively elected as our next president. Now, on our previous broadcast uh, yesterday, on Friday, 
I spent much of the show diving deep into the rabbit hole of the claims being made by Team Trump regarding Dominion voting systems and what Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, the Fox News attorney for uh, Trump's disgraced former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, what they both described as uh, both a massive international conspiracy to steal the election for Joe Biden involving Venezuela and Hugo Chavez, who has been dead for ten year, uh, seven years, and the Smartmatic voting machine company, um, which appears to have nothing to do with any of this Smartmatic I'm talking about. And for good measure, they threw in communist China and Cuba for some reason. They were in on this international conspiracy. So was Spain and Germany, all along with what Rudy described last week in the federal case in Pennsylvania, which he has now lost as a nationwide voter fraud conspiracy. So it was both an international conspiracy to flip votes on computers and a national voter fraud effort to use fake ballots all at the same time involving thousands and thousands of conspirators, even if not one of them has yet come forward with any actual, you know, evidence of that uh, super secret brilliance conspiracy that was able to steal a presidential election for the Democrats, but for some reason did not bother to also give them control of the U.S. Senate for some reason and cost them seats in the U.S. House. Man, that's some crappy conspiracy. Anyway, the reason I had to dive so far down that rabbit hole on Friday is that it turns out much of the broad and confusing and almost entirely nonsensical conspiracy theory uh, is based on a number of exclusive articles of mine at bradblog.com from about, back, about 10 years ago, back in 2010. The stories that we posted, uh, exclusives at the time at bradblog.com, some of them were then reposted at Huffington Post. They basically took some stuff that did have to do with Dominion and Smartmatic, sort of, and yes, Hugo Chavez, and then bastardized it all into a scheme to steal the 2020 election from Donald Trump somehow. Got it? Suffice to say, you can go back and download Friday's show you were there, Desi. Did it make sense uh, on Friday? Did it make any more yes. sense on Friday than it does today? Yes. It, you know, it makes sense because when you understand that what they're talking about is taking actual real reporting on issues with electronic voting systems and running them through a right wing maximal outrage media grinder <laughs> and turning it into this kind of Frankenstein yes. monster theory of conspiracy yep. that's both national and international and kind of nuts. Smartly said. Thank you. Uh, suffice to say, you can go back and download Friday's show, of course, at bradblog.com for free. And you can help yourself uh, to try to make sense of where all of this stuff is coming from. You're welcome, America. Uh, for the record, I absolutely stand by everything that I wrote and reported back in 2010 or at any other time in my nearly 20 years now of covering election integrity issues and the private vendors who have taken so much control of what used to be our public elections. But virtually nothing that uh, Giuliani and Powell are now bastardizing from uh, my work uh, virtually nothing is based in reality at this point, or even what I had originally reported in my exclusive investigative reports on all of this stuff. 
uh, at bradblog.com with Friday's show. I also linked to the original story that they have bastardized. And ever since, man, have they been plowing through my back catalog. Glad to have them. Thanks for the traffic. Glad they're finally finding this stuff. That they were ignoring for years. You mean you're glad that they finally care about election integrity suddenly? Yeah. Thank you. I hope they learn uh, quite a bit from what I have to tell them. They're finding all kinds of stuff that I forgot I wrote about. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a great story. I'm glad they found it. Anyway, the bastardization continues as Bill Maher sort of summarized all of this uh, on Friday night. Did you see what Team Lunatic was putting forward this week? Rudy Giuliani was out there. He's having quite a third act. He's out there as Trump's lead lawyer because all the regular lawyers have quit. And he's got a new theory about who fixed the election. Venezuela. (laughs) Venezuela. Apparently, he says Dominion. That's the, the voting machine company. They're actually out of Canada. But he says they're owned by another company, which is funded by a Venezuelan associate of Hugo Chavez, who is dead. At this point, MSNBC just cut away to a cuckoo clock. This, this was like... And <laughs> so, uh, again, America, you're welcome. Uh, feel free to blame me for my accurate reporting 10 years ago that has now been bastardized and weaponized by disingenuous cuckoo clocks 10 years later. Uh, so anyway, I've got a little bit more on all of this shortly as, as uh, Team Trump now seems to have tossed Sidney Powell, the front woman for most of this stuff, under a bus late on Sunday night. But as I realize you're all uh, hearing this stuff and may have some questions about it uh, or for me about it or on any of the other claims you have heard about fraud in the 2020 election as perpetrated by a bunch of folks without any real evidence in support of it, at least so far. I figured I'll open up the phones a little bit later today, as I did last week, to try and answer some of your queries. Also, if you'd like to ring in with your thoughts on how all of this plays out, if you are feeling more or less concerned about it than you were last week, about this attempted coup now underway by, yes, the president of the United States himself, I'd love to hear from you in a bit. If you're uh, in our live listening area or listening via KPFK's live web stream from anywhere, you can give me a call at 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. I do want to bring you up to date as quickly as I can on developments in the coup since we got off the air on Friday. And as I said, offer a bit more on the Venezuelan conspiracy. Uh, that I I seem to have been accidentally behind. But I want to make two points crystal clear right now at the top of the show to both the wingnuts and the non-wingnuts alike who are legitimately concerned about election integrity, just as I am. One, number one, simply because a computerized voting and tabulation system is vulnerable to fraud and manipulation... That does not mean that any particular election that has been run on it has actually been defrauded and manipulated by those systems. That's one point to keep in mind. Two, even if an election is 100 percent secure and accurate and it hasn't been defrauded and manipulated, if it cannot be known by the public to have been 100 percent secure and accurate, 
then it is every bit as much of a threat to the confidence of our demo- in, in, in to confidence in our democratic system as it would be if the election had actually been stolen and defrauded on such a system. It doesn't matter if our elections are secure if the people cannot know that it has been secure. Does that make sense? That second point in particular I've been trying to make clear for years, both at bradblog.com and on this program and to anyone who will listen, frankly. And it's one of the reasons I report so much on the dangers of unverifiable voting systems. You may have heard me once or twice talk about 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen systems. Well, if the public cannot know for certain who won, we end up with exactly what we are looking at right now. And if you haven't noticed, whether they are cuckoos or not, this is a very dangerous place for our nation to be. It is why I have been warning about exactly this now for almost two decades. A 100 percent transparent election system would not allow for this kind of craziness and madness and speculation and uh, these absurd claims because all of the casting and the counting of votes would be 100 percent transparent for everyone to see. But it is not right now because we rely on these private voting system companies who count votes in secret on proprietary computer systems where they don't let us look inside the systems. And you can't see inside a computer when it is tabulating a, a, a ballot. And this all makes way for the largely unprovable claims that are now being made by disingenuous partisans. So with all of that in mind, for the moment, and again, I'll open the phones <clears throat> the phones to your calls shortly on any of this. I am nothing if not an open book. 818-985-KPFK is my phone number. Now, since Friday, uh, some uh, quick key developments, uh, as quickly as I can fly through these here, in a number of swing states where Team Trump are making their bad faith arguments that the election was stolen from them. Let's start in Nevada. A Nevada judge declined on Friday to block statewide certification of the November 3 general election. The ruling by a Clark County District Court judge followed a rehash of arguments rejecting in other uh, that were rejected in other states and federal courts about vote by mail and ballot counting in a state, Nevada, where a Republican secretary of state oversaw the mailing of ballots to all active registered voters for the very first time due to the still raging coronavirus pandemic that this president has refused to do anything about. Clearly, the Republican Secretary of State in Nevada must be in on this worldwide Democratic communist conspiracy. Another uh, pending case by the Trump campaign, however, is uh, is still in play. It aims to nullify the Nevada election or have the Republican president declared the winner somehow, despite tallies showing that of the more than one and a half, uh, more than 1.4 million votes cast, Joe Biden appears to have uh, won by more than 33,000 votes in the state. A hearing in that case is scheduled for December 1 before a judge in Carson City. Meanwhile, in Vegas, the judge on Friday rejected as, quote, a really extreme request, unquote, the bid by the far right former Nevada lawmaker Sharon Engel and her so-called 
uh, voting watchdog group to block certification results of the statewide election. She wanted to block the results altogether. The state Supreme Court has scheduled um, an action for Tuesday. Uh, though if it goes like virtually every single one of the more than 30 cases so far heard and rejected, if it goes the way they've gone, we may be able to guess the outcome of that Nevada case already. In the case in Vegas, the judge asked for evidence of fraud with plaintiffs claiming that they had evidence of 8,000 fraudulent votes. The judge said, well, assuming that I agree that these are illegal votes, you are asking as a preliminary matter to throw out one million four hundred thousand votes on the chance that somewhere from two hundred and fifty to eight thousand people uh, should not have voted. So even if you take out all of the people in their claim, uh, eight thousand of these people, a Donald Trump still would not have won Nevada. But B, what they're asking is to throw out a million and a half votes in Nevada, a million and a half totally legitimate votes. Yeah, the remedy that they are seeking is insanely, obscenely disproportionate to the offense that they're alleging. Correct. And this is happening all over the country. In Arizona, uh, a state judge rejected uh, an Arizona GOP lawsuit on Friday requesting a new vote audit in Maricopa County. That's Phoenix in the largest county in the state where an audit has already taken place. But these guys want a new one before the race will be certified. The Republican Arizona Republican, I should underscore that the Republican Arizona State Attorney General's office, who is also clearly in on the conspiracy to steal the election for Democrats. Uh, The Republican AG has argued that there is no legal basis for a new precinct-based hand count. Not that I would be against it. Shortly afterward, the uh, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors on Friday, which is con- uh, consists of four Republicans and one Democrat, they voted unanimously on Friday night to certify election results in that county. Uh, also in Arizona, the final Sharpie Gate lawsuit. Remember that one? Republicans falsely claiming that the use of Sharpie pens On the hand-marked paper ballots in Maricopa somehow invalidated votes for Donald Trump. Well, that one was also dismissed. Um, uh, That was also dismissed with prejudice, so it cannot be brought back again. In Wisconsin, and in Wisconsin, this is via Fox News. So, you know, it's not from the fake news commie media, but, you know, by way of Fox News. However... As you may have noticed, the wingnuts are also now turning on Fox News, believe it or not, with a campaign telling people to turn them off and watch uh, Newsmax and OAN instead. Anyway, as you know, Donald Trump has asked for a partial recount of the state of Wisconsin, just in the state's two largest and most minority-heavy counties of Milwaukee and Dane. That is in violation of what Republicans claimed was an attempt to steal the election in 2000 by Al Gore uh, by seeking recounts in only selected counties. Remember that? Al Gore was trying to steal it. Why aren't you asking to count the entire state? Well, that's disenfranchising voters. Yeah. If you had only two t- counties, yeah. but that was then. Oh, Republicans of course, were furious about that. Yeah. Uh, election officials, however, in Wisconsin on Saturday, said that uh, Donald Trump poll watchers were, quote, obstructing the recount and acting in, quote, bad faith. Again, 
according to Fox News. That as tabulations continue nonetheless in Milwaukee and Dane as best as they can, Milwaukee County Election Commissioner Tom Postnansky reported to fellow commissioners that more than one Trump representative was discovered at different tabulation tables, apparently allegedly uh, posing as independents and breaking regulations that require one member from each political party. So, yes, they are they are cheating in their bid to claim that Democrats were cheating. One Trump observer reported uh, reportedly rejected every single ballot that was pulled from one of the bags because they were folded. OK, uh, Poznanski uh, said he called it, uh, quote, prima facie evidence of bad faith by the Trump campaign. He said, I want to know what is going on and why there continues to be obstruction. Well, I think we all know why that is, don't we, Tom? The obstruction, uh, the county says, uh, is likely to lead to a later uh, to a later completion time for the count than previously estimated. Officials had hoped to be done by midweek this week. Now the uh, now the the count in the Badger state where Biden appears to have won by about 20,000 votes that may last until December. So that's Wisconsin now to Michigan. And yeah, I see it. I know. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of action in the state of Michigan, where Biden is shown as winning by nearly 160,000 votes, according to the results of which uh, which have uh, now been certified by every single county in the state as of Monday. On Friday, you'll recall, Trump had called the Republican majority leaders of the gerrymandered state House and Senate to the White House to cajole, cajole them into somehow convening and passing a law to give the state's 16 electors to Trump. Despite the popular vote in the state clearly going to Joe Biden. Well, after we got off the air on Friday, the White House meeting ended with these two Republicans. And uh, the uh, GOP leaders, they issued a statement. They claimed, quote, we have not been made aware of any information that would change the outcome of the election in Michigan. And as legislative leaders, we will follow the law and follow the normal process regarding Michigan's electors. They added that the certification process in the state uh, should be free from threats and intimidation. The candidates who win the most votes uh, win elections, they said, and Michigan's electoral votes. These are simple truths that should pr provide confidence in our elections, they said in a statement that relieved some Biden supporters, but left enough doors open, frankly, for electoral vote shenanigans, uh, at least people who are concerned about it, that, uh, you know, they were not particularly comforted by that uh, pretty vague statement. All morning then, on Monday, the Michigan State Board of Canvassers was hearing some 800 public comments or so on whether to certify for the state. Remember, all the counties had already been certified, which means each county board of canvassers found there was no problems. And then uh, the it was up to the state to decide whether the state would, in fact, go for Joe Biden. Again, after all of the county board of canvassers had already done so. The board of canvassers on the state and at the county level uh, is made up of two Democrats and two Republicans. And this is where Republicans hoped to reverse the will of some five and a half million voters to prevent the certification uh, of the election uh, and somehow then steal it for Trump. 
Well, we have some good news on that front and some more good news coming up in a little bit, by the way, <laughs> Desi Doyne. Don't know if you saw that yet. But anyway, yes. let's talk about Michigan. Uh, this is just within the hour or so before airtime today. That vote in Michigan finally finished. And how'd it go? Well, that four-person Michigan Board of State canvassers voted 3-0 to zero to certify the results. Now, you'll note that there were four on that board, two Democrats, two Republicans. So one of the Republicans voted with the Democrats to certify, and the fourth, the other Republican on there voted to abstain. And he's somebody whose wife uh, was a Republican uh, challenger mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in, in Wayne County, I believe, and she was the one who had filed an affidavit claiming that she saw all kinds of irregularities that did not actually stand up to further scrutiny. So I can understand why maybe he voted to abstain because of his wife. (laughs) But at any rate, they eventually Uh voted yes to certify. They Uh, voted yes. It was three to zero? Three to zero. One abstention. And by the way, you sat through a lot of the public comment period today. How were those public? Was it evenly matched? Was it people saying, please certify, please don't certify? Well, the parts that I was able to watch, and I tried to monitor the entire thing, but yeah, they had about 800 people lined up to comment. Mm -hmm. And after, I guess, the first 50 or so is when they actually held the vote. So I did not watch the rest of the comments. But prior to that, uh, the initial comments were from former election officials who all, to a single person, pointed out that the canvassing board did not have the legal authority to not certify the results. They were given the results and they're basically a ministerial function to certify them. That's it. No authority to hold or hold an audit of any kind. And that's, I think, the important part uh, that they came to, the conclusion that they realized there's no place to go for this. There's no place to go, and it's a done deal now. Joe Biden officially wins the state of Michigan. Now, uh, Pennsylvania, let's quickly go there. Uh, One of the other states that is being targeted for something similar to what's going on in Michigan, uh, where uh, things are not going much better for the Republicans. On Saturday, a federal judge responded to the Trump campaign's claims that nearly seven million ballots should be thrown out because in some Democratic leaning counties, election officials had the temerity to offer basically a handful of voters the uh, the the uh, privilege of coming back in to cure defects on their mail-in ballots where they forgot the secrecy envelope or they forgot to sign it before Election Day. Most of the GOP-leaning counties, at least according to Rudy Giuliani, uh, who's always, why would he not be reliable? Um, anyway, according to him, most of the GOP counties did not extend that courtesy to their voters for some reason, so he wants to throw out everyone's votes, apparently. Now, our own Ernie Canning writes about the U.S. District Judge scathing ruling at Bradblog.com today. Uh, The judge, by the way, is a Federalist Society member, a right-winger, a former Pennsylvania Republican Party official himself. Ernie quotes from the judge's ruling thusly, quote, plaintiffs ask this court to disenfranchise almost seven million voters. This court has been unable to find any case in which a plaintiff has sought such a drastic remedy in the contest of an election in terms of the sheer volume of votes asked to be invalidated. He said one might expect that when seeking such a startling outcome, a plaintiff would come formidably armed with compelling legal arguments and factual proof of rampant corruption. This has not happened, wrote the judge. Instead, this court has been presented with strained legal arguments without merit and speculative accusations unsupported by the evidence. 
In the United States of America, he writes, this cannot justify the disenfranchisement of a single voter, let alone all the voters of its sixth most populated state. The judge later went on to say, and these are, uh, well, his emphasis here, prohibiting certification of the election results would not reinstate the individual plaintiff's right to vote. It would simply deny more than 6.8 million people their right to vote. Ouch. Sorry, Rudy. You tried and you failed. After that uh, ruling where the judge just eviscerated Trump's case, uh, Pennsylvania's Republican Senator Pat Toomey issued a statement saying, I congratulate President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris on their victory. They are both dedicated public servants, and I will be praying for them and for our country. He notes that the uh, longtime conservative Republican judge, Matthew Brand, who I know to be fair and unbiased, he said uh, he uh, dismissed the Trump campaign's lawsuit and that President Trump has now exhausted all plausible legal options to challenge the results of the presidential race in Pennsylvania. That from the Republican U.S. Senator Pat Toomey. And with that, Toomey became, I think, only the second Republican senator uh, three weeks after the election, along with Mitt Romney, to recognize Joe Biden as the winner of the uh, of the race. That is how deep the Republican Party has now sunk into this rabbit hole. Team Trump has now appealed that eviscerating opinion from Pennsylvania to the third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. We'll see if they accept it, because apparently they asked for this appeal and they were late in filing it on Monday. If it is accepted by the Third Circuit, I suspect it will not do any better, but that gets them potentially to the Supreme Court where all bets could be off. But I hope to discuss that uh, a little bit more on tomorrow's broadcast, if it is still needed with a legal expert on this stuff. But wait, there is more in Georgia on Friday. Both the very Trumpy Republican Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, and the even Trumpier Republican governor, Brian Kemp, who suppressed the vote as secretary of state back in 2018 in order to become the governor. Both of them certified the statewide results in the Peach State after a full hand count affirmed the original results, with Biden winning the state for the uh, first time going to a Democrat for in, in decades. Uh, Biden won it by about 13,000 votes. Raffensperger said numbers don't lie. As secretary of state, I believe the numbers that we present today are correct. Raffensperger is, of course, the one who, in opposition, opposition to Democrats and, more importantly, cybersecurity experts and voting systems experts, he's the one who chose to move the entire state to, yes, a 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting system uh, that all voters at polling places were required to use as made by domain voting uh, dominion voting systems. Now, Trump supporters are claiming that, yes, Raffensperger and Kemp Incredibly enough, they are also behind the scheme to steal the election from Trump with the use of Dominion voting machines somehow, also plus Hugo Chavez. And with that state certification, the Trump campaign is now exercising their right to request a recount, given the margin was less than one half of one percent. And that recount 
Uh, this would be tallying votes now for a third time. Uh, that will take place via the very same Dominion voting system scanners that scanned all of these ballots in the first place. It's expected to be done in a couple of days unless the Trump campaign obstructs that one, too. But the use of Dominion voting systems is what has now turned the MAGA crowd against even Kemp and Raffensperger and, yes, against Georgia's incumbent Republican senators, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, because they're not demanding that the election results be tossed out. Loeffler and Perdue are going to have to face uh, two Democrats, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, in these uh, runoff elections in January, January 5, that will determine control of the U.S. Senate. Now, I have called on all Republicans who are all of a sudden concerned. They're all very worried about Dominion. Uh, Well, I have invited them to join me in demanding that all hand-marked paper ballots be used for the January runoff. No computer touchscreens. And then, instead of scanning those hand-marked paper ballots, publicly count them. Get Dominion out of the state entirely. Counting just two U.S. Senate races with two candidates each would be a breeze to do publicly, by hand, in person, where everyone can see it. It would prevent the ghost of Hugo Chavez from again uh, stealing another election in the Peach State. Well, instead of taking me up on that offer, the uh, Trump supporters out there in Georgia, they were busy holding Stop the Steal rallies instead over the weekend in the state, calling folks like Raffensperger and Kemp, quote, traitors, vowing to boycott the U.S. Senate runoffs in January in the state and to destroy the Republican Party. Well, all of that sounds just fine to me. And if Republican traitors like Kemp are not willing to show up for us, then we will not be willing to show up for them. get the idea there. Uh, They're turning on. It's a circular firing squad. Usually that's left to Democrats. This time, apparently, it may be Republicans in the state of Georgia. Don't let me get in your way, boys. All of which brings us back 
to Trump's attorney, Sidney Powell, uh, who told us last week at that crazy presser with Rudy uh, how the whole election was stolen, albeit with no evidence to prove it so far, apparently. Um, But uh, just a reminder, here's what she told us last week. The massive influence of communist money through Venezuela, Cuba, and likely China in the interference with our elections here in the United States. The Dominion voting systems, the Smartmatic technology software, and the software that goes in other computerized voting systems here as well, not just Dominion, were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to make sure he never lost an election after one constitutional referendum came out the way he did not want it to come out. And so that's how they stole the election for Joe Biden 10 years later, I guess. Uh, I, so, uh, by the way, so that's Sidney Powell, Trump's attorney. How do we know she's Trump's attorney? Well, uh, because he tweeted out on November 14th. Uh, that she was uh, that Mayor Giuliani was spearheading the great legal efforts to defend our right to free and fair elections. And he names uh, three or four people, including Sidney Powell, a truly great team added to our other wonderful lawyers. Well, late on Sunday night, one of those attorneys uh, that he also listed, the uh, Republican National Committee's Jenna Ellis, tweeted out a statement disavowing Sidney Powell and essentially deciding to throw her under the bus after days of praising her, saying uh, Sidney Powell is practicing law on her own. She's not a member of the Trump legal team. She is also not a lawyer for the president in his personal capacity. Well, how did she get into the room at the Republican National Committee headquarters in D.C. to participate in that in that press conference. Well, anyway, uh, they're throwing her now under the bus. And perhaps uh, why? Well, perhaps it was this appearance on Newsmax TV over the weekend where even she called out Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Georgia's probably going to be the first state I'm going to blow up. And uh, Mr. Kemp and the Secretary of State need to go with it because they're in on the Dominion scam with their last minute purchase award of a contract to Dominion of $100 million, the State Bureau of Investigation for Georgia ought to be looking into the financial benefits received by Mr. Kemp and, and uh, the Secretary of State's family about that time. Just to clarify, you're saying that Governor Kemp, who's been a longtime ally of the president, is, it, is directly involved because of financial benefit in the conspiracy to defeat the president in Georgia? <laughs> We have certainly been told that there is evidence of that and it would warrant an investigation. I can't give you any more details on that now, but it would certainly warrant an investigation. Because you ain't got any more details, lady. You're making claims that uh, these guys are being paid off to steal an election, a national election, and you don't even have the evidence to do it. Mind you, I have been going after both Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger for years on this program. They have done plenty wrong, including Raffensperger taking, uh, choosing to take this hundred and hundred thousand, uh, hundred million dollar voting system, despite everyone's advice. <clears throat> but I, I'm aware of no evidence that they were paid off to do it. Anyway, Republicans are suddenly very concerned that what's going on in Georgia is going to mean they're going to lose control of the U.S. Senate. So they're willing to throw Sidney Powell under a bus. Okay, 
I'm going to take a quick break here. Come back with your phone calls at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. If you've got any questions about any of this, concerns you might have heard elsewhere that I could speak to, I'm happy to try to explain them, including, you know, any concerns uh, about stuff that may have to do with my own reporting from years ago on which all of this is somehow based. Um Are you feeling any better today? Well, you might be after we take a break and come back with some breaking news that has come in as I have been speaking. I want to confirm this, and then we will come back with this breaking news that appears to be good news, but I'd also love to hear from you. 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. So this looks uh, legit. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As they are all going crazy, they are going to go crazier still, I suspect, uh, with this news now. Uh, I heard it first from our own Ernie Canning, uh, legal advisor over at bradblog.com, legal contributor there. Uh, He says, no, you're on the air, but a heads up, Emily Murphy of the General Services Administration has sent a letter to Joe Biden acknowledging that the transition can begin. Yeah, the CNN is reporting the General Services Administration yep. has informed President-elect Joe Biden that the Trump administration is ready to begin the formal transition process, and that is according to the letter from Administrator Emily Murphy that was sent and obtained by of CNN. So it's the first step that the administration has taken to officially and formally accept and acknowledge that Trump was defeated. Uh, and all of the other ones are now breaking in with that, too. NBC, Washington Post, yes, Fox News is saying that the GSA notifies Joe Biden that the administration may now begin the transition process. AP is doing the same. Donald Trump, I suppose, is the the one most needed to confirm here. And he says, I want to thank Emily Murphy. This is on Twitter. I want to thank Emily Murphy at GSA, the General Services Administration, for her steadfast dedication and loyalty to our country. She has been harassed, threatened, and abused, and I do not want to see this happen to her, her family, or employees of GSA. Our case strongly, in all caps, so you know he means it, our case strongly continues. We will keep up the good fight, and I believe we will prevail. Nevertheless, in the best interest of our country, I am recommending that Emily and her team do what needs to be done with regard to initial initial protocols and have told my team to do the same. So he has given his blessing, sort of, uh, for the federal government to begin the transition process. That's what happens uh, once the uh, General Services Administration signs off, ascertains who they believe won the election. Donald Trump is signing off on that, saying he continues the fight. 
<laughs> so, and, and and there you have it. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Feel better? Feel better yet? Desi Doyne, do you feel better yet? No, actually, don't? I, I don't. I mean, this well, is you better. Never feel better. I know, this is true. I'm a cynic. But I think this is a good improvement and a step in the right direction. However, there are still some avenues where monkey wrenching can be done. But hopefully, we'll hear more about that tomorrow and get a sense of you know whether those avenues still remain or if those exits are closing as well. Let's go to uh, Karen in Oakland. Hey, Karen, welcome to the broadcast. What is on your mind? Hi, uh, Brad. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have two questions, but uh, in the interest of time, I'll ask this one. Uh, the Georgia runoff is scheduled for January 5, 2021. And yep. according to my calendar, that's the day after the new Congress is sworn in mm-hmm. on January 4th. Why did uh, Georgia decide to do this runoff in January instead of in uh, December, which is uh, what uh, Louisiana always does? Uh, yeah. They have a uh, uh, runoff for after their general election. Well, hang up and yeah, and okay. Thank you. Thanks for that uh, question, Karen. Uh, to be honest, um, I, I don't. They, I should say they did not decide this. Uh, after the initial election on November 3rd. One of these elections, by the way, is a special election. The other one is just a regular old U.S. Senate runoff, but you got to get more than 50 percent in Georgia to win. So I don't know why it was scheduled as it was scheduled, but I, uh, in, in case you're suggesting there is anything nefarious here, I don't think there is. I think it's just a matter of uh, a Georgia state law and the runoff shall uh, be carried out X number of days after the initial election, as far as I know. If there's anything more insidious about it, uh, I am unaware of it. And I have been covering a lot of Georgia election news for the past couple of years. So uh, I don't know that answer. I'm sorry to say, Karen. Uh, but thank you for that call. 818-985-5735. Quick break. We'll come back with uh, as many other calls as we can get to. Right here on the world-famous Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Crazy. I'm crazy for feeling. They are all crazy. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Once again, the big breaking news with just uh, just within the past few minutes, uh, Donald Trump, the leader of what I heard someone describe as the Ku Klutz Klan. Uh, Donald Trump has told the General Services Administration to allow Joe Biden's transition to begin, though he still vows he will, quote, prevail in the election. I'm sure he will. 818-985-5735. Let's go to John in Mar Vista. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, in 2015, Tom Hartman sent five bucks to, uh, to Trump 
on the basis of that contribution, he's getting like uh, one an hour, like you know, twenty twenty emails a day. <laughs> demand, you know, hurry, hurry, send money. We've got to fight the the election. You know, yeah, fraud of, of the of the you know of Biden's people. Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you, John, I, I I never gave five bucks to Donald Trump or Republicans or anybody else. I'm still getting all of those emails. I don't know how I got on the. The Republican mailing list, but yeah, I can confirm. I'm getting tons of that. Oh, they're they're stealing our election from you. Don't let them. We must stop them and all of that. Yeah. But the amount of money that they're getting, they're probably getting tens of millions of dollars a week, certainly a month. They're just piling up the money because this is a scam. Yeah. All of these all of these fraud complaints and you know, the stuff in the courts and everything like that, that's a sideshow. That's an addition flashing stuff in front of your eyes to distract you from what's going on inside the rabbit hat. Yep. No, absolutely. And if you if you look closely on those donation forms, it actually says that about 60 percent, as it does, 60 uh, percent of that money goes to retire Trump debt. It doesn't even go to his legal fees uh, such that he has any. I mean, he doesn't pay his attorneys. So 60 <laughs> percent of the anyway. right. 60 percent of it uh, goes to gets, the debt. Gets, yeah. He gets to keep that money when it's all over. After the campaign is over, the, the, the candidates get to pocket the money for their own purposes. They just keep it because it's, it's their money to keep. That I'm not sure about. I don't know if he actually gets to keep it. The Trump campaign might get to keep it. That's, what happens to that money? Yeah, yeah, that is my understanding as well, that they have to use it on campaign-qualified expenses. But, of course, that depends on somebody actually investigating them to make sure they do that and then following through on it. So they could spend it on whatever they want, which they have done before, and, and just say that it's for the campaign. Oh, like paying off a porn star is not a campaign-qualified uh, uh, expense. Hey, John, I appreciate that call. Thank you very much. Let me go to Marco in Eagle Rock. Hey, Marco, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, thanks a lot. Thanks for doing what you do. Uh, hey, Brad, um, you know, the original Thanksgiving began in 1610 in Jamestown, Virginia, and uh, it was called a starving time in the winter there. Many settlers uh, fled to join the Powhatan Indians mm -hmm. uh, to keep from starving. And then Nobody knows if the following summer they wanted to stay with the Indians or if they were being held captive from the Indians. Anyhow, that was the start of the wars. After they obviously fed them and, you know, gave them hospitality and stuff, then it, the issue became them keeping those people, and there was beginning the wars. The other thing I want to say is about Georgia voting that all 49 states should get behind them and make the requirement for all 49 states for federal elections, U.S. citizen of age with a Social Security number, and that's it. Hell with all the oppression and suppression and purging and bull. Yep. It's, are you a U.S. citizen? Are you of age? Do you have a Social Security number? Use the last four digits. The whole nation can be registered that way overnight. Yeah, I hear you. And of course, even the steps we've taken in places like California and other states around the country for automatic voter registration when you go to sign up for a driver's license or something is ridiculous. They've got everyone's uh, Social Security number already. It could be put into a nationwide database and it could be a done deal. But the idea is registration is not to prevent fraud. It is to allow voter suppression. That's why it's been right. uh, in place in the first place. Going back, if I'm not mistaken, all the way to the Indians and the uh, and the uh, uh, pilgrims uh, at the first Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah.
Thanks, yeah. thanks, yeah. Marco. I appreciate that call very much. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, oh, Roger. Oh, look, Roger in Minneapolis. Let me go to Roger. Hey, Roger. Now, did you know up in um, uh, Minneapolis, did you get the word that the Trump campaign has been complaining that there were more votes than voters in Michigan, and the way they were doing that was using your home state of Minnesota's counties to somehow make their argument. They didn't even realize they were using data from Minnesota when they were making an argument in Michigan. That's what a bunch of klutzes and clods these guys are. Did you hear about that, Roger? Yes, quite aware of that. <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, and in that very spirit of klutz, klutzitude, yes. they took your diligent reporting and made this mishmash out of their case this year. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I wanted to congratulate you on seeding the ground for this um, uh, vast lot of fun. <laughs> and what I hope it culminates in yes. is the Republicans becoming your best ally yeah. to have hand-marked paper ballots along with paper registration rolls become the order of the day wide. Yes. Thank you, Roger. That actually is my hope as well. Yes, I am making fun of the uh, the evil, disingenuous ones, but I'm hoping, you know, someone asked me on a Twitter today, gave me a series of like six or seven questions that they were clearly going through years of back catalog at Bradblog and asking me questions about it and about the way the, the private voting machine companies, uh, how they whine and dine the uh, election officials around the country and how they have uh, effectively privatized our public elections and what can be done about it. So I am hoping that something good ultimately comes out of this. You know, there was a lot of uh, uh, Democrats, progressives, folks on the left who used to uh, 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 demonize Diebold. Remember them? Diebold is a voting machine company. They're now out of business. Actually, uh, they were purchased in no small part by Dominion. But uh, the left used to demonize uh, uh, Diebold, say that they were stealing elections. Now you've got the right saying Dominion is stealing elections. Now, a lot of folks were doing it because they were partisan. And that's fine. And they were angry that they had lost an election. And that's fine. That's understandable. But uh, there were enough of us who were fighting for, you know, actual voting rights and overseeable elections that, uh, you know, we have continued this fight for 10, 20 years. And even on behalf of Republicans who I've gone to bat for some of the worst far right uh, Republicans who have been screwed in some fashion by the voting system. Doesn't mean their election was stolen by Diebold or Dominion or anybody else, but they ended up with problems in their election and they had justifiable questions about them. I'm more than happy to work with uh, good faith folks on the right in that regard. So I'm hoping, as you say, Roger, that there will be enough of them who will stick around and uh, make this fight for real. Because I've always said, until a Republican gets screwed by this uh, system, there will be nothing done about it. And Republicans have spent years preventing anything being done about it, including over the past year or two, Mitch McConnell not allowing a, uh, an, a, an election security bill that would have prevented many of the things that the Republicans are now complaining about. Brad, one thing that I hope is not an upshot of all of this 
is that people become deaf to the idea that these machines, in fact, are not vulnerable. And, um, right. and so I think that there's still an awful large amount of work cut out for you and all of us here. Damn and it. One last question. Yes. Can we, say, can we tell the Trump people to stick a fork in it yet? Uh, you can. I'm going to fight for their right to, uh, to you know, to make sure that we all know. Cause listen, it is important, and that is my point. It is important that uh, in any election, and I remember uh, David Cobb, the Green Party presidential candidate from 2004 back in Ohio, saying that the sign of a good election is when the loser and their supporters walk away knowing they have lost. And it is important that these folks realize they have lost, and because of the systems we are now using in our elections, it is very difficult to know if, in fact, uh, anyone won or lost. So, uh, but yes, you're, you're welcome to tell them that. And it looks like Donald Trump may be getting the message because, as we noted uh, just a few minutes ago, he is now allowing the transition to officially begin. Hey, thanks, Roger. Always good to hear from you, my friend. Uh, stay safe over the holidays, please. Uh, but again, I need to emphasize that point. Even if an election is totally secure, 100 percent secure, but we can't know that it is secure, that is a threat to American democracy. That is a threat to our constitutional republic, and that is what we are seeing right now. Whether or not there is any justification for these right-wingers to be making the case that they're making, it doesn't matter. They're making it because they're not able to see transparently what the results actually were. And if we had all hand-marked paper ballots, all hand-counted publicly at the precinct on election night, the way they do in New Hampshire, the way they could do in Georgia— on January 5th, in this all-important U.S. Senate runoff to determine control of the Senate, if Republicans are really concerned, well, there's your answer, uh, guys. Call for hand-marked paper ballots, hand-counted on election night publicly so everyone can see it. Get Dominion the hell out of the state and all of the states. I'm cool with that. Finally, as ever... Uh, before the holidays here, we go to our good friend Mo in Long Beach to take us out. Oh, Mo, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind, my friend? Uh, Brother Brad, I got a question for you. When Papa Joe becomes the president at 1201, I think it was January the 20th. Yep. Uh, is it possible that a bench warrant could be issued for Mr. Trump at 1202 and, have, and he'd be arrested? It absolutely is, and it's getting to the point where it will be more surprising if that does not happen. Uh, New York State, a couple of prosecutors there uh, may be ready to go at 12.02 on January 20th. Whether uh, Donald Trump will be uh, hiding in South America by then, hey, maybe Venezuela. Very nice this time of year. Who knows? All right. Got to get out. My thanks to everyone who called in. Uh, and my thanks, of course, to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Federico Garcia, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Miss any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. We'll see you there until we see you right here tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>